How's everyone doing? Doing good, doing good. Awesome. It's a good day. It felt good. Woke up, sun was out. You know, wasn't the clouds weren't around. Um, it was a good day today. Today felt good. Today felt really good. Well, the day has just got started. Hopefully, it will stay good, right? I mean, I can really hear myself. You guys can hear me. This is Mike, man, you're you're. That's good. All right. Okay, cool, guys. So today we're going to be talking about our Christianity and how it impacts our Christ, and more importantly, how it impacts our life and the lives of the generations that are coming up. Today, we're going to be talking about our Christianity. But before we do that, I want us to take two to three minutes, maybe not three minutes, three minutes is a little too long, a few minutes, having a conversation with your neighbor in this church. Yes, it's one of those times where the, the, the preacher or the speaker asks you to ask someone else another question. And if, you're awkward, if it's awkward, so be it. Focus on the answer. Focus on the question. Focus on the person that is in front of you. And if you don't have a partner, walk around the church and look for someone. So if there aren't twos next to each other, you got to find somebody. Otherwise, I'll come off stage and I'll be your partner. And we'll speak into the microphone so everybody can hear it. No, I'm totally kidding. We won't do that. All right. So I want you guys to take a few minutes to partner with someone who's next to you or around you in some fashion. And I want you guys to ask this question. Maybe it's a question you've asked before. Maybe not. But the question is, if Jesus was a Jew, why are you a Christian? All right. So we're going to have some music playing in the background. Feel free to partner up and ask that question. Listen to each other's answers. Don't make it a long answer. Short and concise. If Jesus was a Jew, why are you a Christian? All right. Did everyone have an opportunity to share? Yeah? Did you guys get some cool dialogue, some cool answers out of it? Did you hear something that maybe you may not have heard before? I did. I met, I met with someone who we agreed on our answer, so I thought that was pretty cool. How about the rest of you guys? Any really awesome answers out there? Raise your hand. Ooh. Oh, one. Mike's answer was awesome. All right. Luva's answer. All right. Are you, okay, cool. Good. So you guys had some good dialogue. Great. I encourage you guys to continue to share these kind of tough questions that you may have never asked before. Because all you do when you ask questions is hopefully seek out tough answers that keep you more grounded in your faith. But if you are walking in a faith, if you are walking with Jesus Christ and are unwilling to encounter or receive or answer difficult questions, then you're not going to be that rooted in him. In the last week, I've introduced a quote 
from an author by the name of Daniel Pink to our leadership and our worship team. And I want to introduce it to you. It says, in business, or I would argue to say in life or in our faith, we tend to obsess over the how, as in here's how to do it. Here's how to have faith. Here's how we should follow Christ. Yet we rarely discuss the why, as in here's why we're doing it, and here's why we should follow Christ. But it's often difficult to do something exceptionally well if we don't know the reasons as to why we're doing it in the first place. You see, Christianity is not what it once was because we have lost our why in the how. We have lost focus on why we follow Jesus Christ and we have fixed our minds on how to follow Jesus Christ. Hebrews chapter 12 tells us that we must lay aside every encumbrance, every nuisance, every impediment, every inconvenience, and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. You see, when we're so focused on the how and we lose sight of our why, our eyes are no longer fixed on why we follow Christ, but how to do it. And we start to lose sight of where Christ is in our actions. And we believe that we may be doing what Christ desires of us. But we are, our eyes are no longer on him. Just like many things that were once good, over time with continuous human influence, they become perversions of their former or intended self. I watched a movie two days ago that illustrates this point perfectly. Some of you may have seen it. It's called Beasts of No Nation. It's a Netflix movie. Watch it if you have not. The other day, so when I saw this movie, when I watched it, it was about a young boy named Aju, who was born into a very good family. Husband and wife. The parents loved each other. They loved their children. They loved their community. His father was a teacher. And his mother would stay at home and care for the house and care for the kids and care for the family. They were a church-going family where the parents integrated prayer into everything they did. The young boy had many friends and was full of life. He would be mischievous at some points in his life, but overall he was a good kid. However, one day, war came. And this child and his family were caught in the middle of it. 
The father tried to protect his wife and his daughter by sending them away. He tried to put Aju in the car with them to say, I, I don't want you to be part of this war. I don't want you to be here when the armies come. However, there was no room in the car for this young little boy. So the mother and daughter were sent away, hopefully to safety. And Aju stayed behind with his father and older brother. Unfortunately, this is not an uplifting story. The three of them were caught by the army. The father and the older brother were killed. And Aju saw it all. The father was executed at gunpoint. And as the older brother and his little brother, Aju, tried to flee, the brother was shot in the back. This little boy saw it all. As he continued to run away from this army, he was only met by another army. He was caught. He was captured. He ended up being enlisted as a child soldier. Under the leadership of a man whose beliefs were misguided, to say the least. This man provided a new purpose for Aju, for his life. He taught him the art of, re of revenge. He taught him how to hate and how to murder without mercy. This once innocent child full of life and joy and laughter from a good family, very much remembered his roots, but became a killer without mercy. Within the span of a few months to a year, this child no longer knew who he was, no longer believed or prayed to God and became someone unrecognizable to his former self. This boy changed, and it was done through a consistent and incremental process. Christianity, to me, is much like this child. Pure in its inception, but through consistent mishandling of God's word, it has become corrupted. Christianity's intended purpose was to glorify God, to exalt God. I exalt thee. It was to glorify and exalt him. It was to follow after Jesus Christ. However, Christianity has now become a platform for political gain. A faith that has become exclusive, an unwelcoming community. A religion that judges and hates the different. A group of people at war with others. It has become a corrupted religion. There was a minor prophet by the name of Amos 
who brought a voice to the Israelites that I believe is also meant for us today. Amos chapter 5, starting at verse 18. He says, Woe, woe to you who long for the day of the Lord. Why do you long for the day of the Lord? That day will be darkness, not light. It will be as though a man fled from a lion only to be met by a bear. As though he entered his house and rested his hand on the wall only to be bit by a snake. Will not the day of the Lord be darkness, not light? Pitch dark without a ray of brightness? Verse 21. These are the words of the Lord, whose name is God Almighty. And the Lord says, I hate, I despise your religious festivals. Your assemblies are a stench to me. Even though you bring me burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. Though you bring choice fellowship offerings, I will have no regard for them. Away with the noise of your songs. I will not listen to the music of your harp. And let justice roll on like a river. Righteousness like a never-failing stream. I believe that we are living in a time where Christianity is no longer what we once knew it to be. That we as followers of Christ should not really adhere to what the precepts of Christianity hold dear. It is no longer representative of God's people, but rather a religious festival where we, you and me, much like actors and actresses, put on a mask, put on sheep's coats, and play a part in a performance called church. This scripture in the book of Amos has been on my heart for quite some time. As harsh as it may be, I believe it is the truth and I believe it is our truth. And as I look out into the congregation, I see heavy hearts. I see racing minds. And I see sometimes some disagreement. I believe this scripture is our truth. I believe that God is growing weary of our consistent disobedience to him. I believe he is growing weary of our consistent misrepresentation of him. 
I believe he is growing tired of the church's continuous excuses and justifications for our sins, for why we don't minister, for why we neglect him, for why we don't pray, for why these seats are continuously empty every single Sunday morning. I believe he is fed up with Christianity and is looking and scouring the earth for followers of his word. Not necessarily Christians. God is waiting for you and me. And it is my prayer that when the day of the Lord arrives, it is light and not darkness. Now, you and I may remember what it means to be a Christian. However, the second you inform someone you're talking to who knows nothing about the faith that you are a Christian, you are automatically prejudged based on what Christianity is portrayed to be, based on public perception, based on our politicians. based upon what people believe Christians are about. I came across this really cool video. And it was about a pastor who shows us, or showed me, how he learned a way to introduce who he is as a pastor, as a reverend, as a minister, and what he does to someone who doesn't know who he is and whose he is. And he does it in a way that is engaging and fun. And he re reveals it in such a way that God's glory is shown before the listener's defenses get raised. We're going to watch that video and have some fun with it. We're going to listen to the joy the pastor has in explaining how he ministers to others, how he introduces who he is to others. People often say to me, they say, J. John, you know, what, what do you do? And it's always very difficult to know what to say. Because if I say to you that I'm a reverend, which I am, that conjures up certain images in people's minds as to what I might be. So I like to be a little bit creative in telling people what I do. I sat next to this lady on an aeroplane at Heathrow Airport and I said, hello. And she said, oh, hello. And I said, where are you going? And she says, I'm going to Singapore. Then she said to me, where are you going? I said, I'm going to Australia. I said, what do you do? So she told me. Then she said, what do you do? And I said, well. <laughs> I work for a global enterprise. She said, do you? I said, yes, I do. I said, we've got outlets in nearly every country of the world. She said, have you? 
I said, yes, we have. I said, we've got hospitals and hospices and homeless shelters. I said, we do marriage work. We've got orphanages. We've got feeding programs, educational programs. I said, we do all sorts of justice and reconciliation things. I said, basically, we look after people from birth to death and we deal in the area of behavioral alteration. <laughs> she went, wow! And it was so loud, her wow. Loads of people turned around and looked at us. She says, what's it called? I said, it's called the church. <laughs> If we are a follower of Jesus, wow. then we are part of a global enterprise. But not only is it global, it's intergalactic because it includes everyone that's gone before us. Wow. <laughs> Amen. What a cool video. Right? When, yeah. When, when I saw that video, I, I, I fell in love. I was like, that is amazing because it is so true absolutely loved it. You see, Christianity is not just a vessel. We are the vessel. He, this pastor, was the, was the vessel. And his job was to communicate Jesus Christ. However, in whatever fashion, it gets through. So he knew that if I come to you and say, I'm a pastor, I'm a reverend, I'm a minister, that conversation is done. So what he did was he used language, everyday common language, to describe what he did. And he spoke it in truth. Because nothing what he said was a lie. It is what the church does. But is it what we are doing here today? You are the vessel that carries Christ, which makes you a temple of the Holy Spirit, a follower of Jesus Christ, a host for all nations. We need to be able to represent Jesus Christ, not as Christians, but as followers of Jesus Christ. So let us today separate the two. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, that, that doesn't necessarily make you a Christian. However, if you are a Christian, my hope is that you also follow Jesus Christ. A few weeks ago, we had a pastor, an Indian pastor, who came by and spoke to us about his mission work and what he's doing. His name was Pastor Sam. And one thing that he said really caught my attention. He said in, in all his time of ministering and evangelizing to people and having conversations with people, not one of them disliked or hated Jesus. But almost every single one of them disliked and hated Christians. Christians. 
as he spoke, it reminded me of one of my most favorite quotes. And it's by another Indian guy. <laughs> we're just keeping it Indian today. Soon we're going to have some Indian curry, some chicken. You know. All right. So it was by another Indian guy, really famous, Mahatma Gandhi. And he said, I like your Christ. I do not like your Christians. Your Christians are so unlike your Christ. I mean, that resonates within me. It should tell us something. That there are people from other faith backgrounds and people who don't believe in God that says, man, I love Jesus. I don't like the people who represent him. And I'm here to say we no longer represent him. If we are nothing like our Christ, then what are we doing? Why follow a faith that looks nothing like the person it's supposed to exemplify? Why be a Christian if Christianity no longer represents Jesus Christ? My point is not to deter you from the Christian faith, but to refocus your attention, to refocus our attention to what this faith was founded on. This faith was not founded on religion. It was not founded on Christianity or Judaism or anything of the sorts. It was founded on Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the author and the perfecter of our faith. I look at agape and I see these empty seats as a testimony of what this church is doing or not doing. But when I see these empty seats, I see the potential of what we can be doing. I see the potential growth. I see the possibility of friends and family, of strangers, of people who know nothing of Jesus. I see a bunch of missed opportunities. You can only fill these seats if you yourself know why you are in that seat. Why are you a Christian? Why do you follow Jesus Christ? Studies and statistics have told us that this upcoming generation, this millennial generation, this generation that I am a part of, is the most unchurched generation to have ever lived. That this new generation will not be a generation of Christians. And I can't blame them. And it is not completely their fault. We as a church have a part to play in it. Why are our youth no longer attracted to God? 
Why do we continue to have empty seats? Why do you, you, why do you not like to invite people to church? Why are you satisfied with being a Sunday Christian? And if you're not a Sunday Christian, why do you not share your testimony of God's hand and God's work and God's goodness in your life so the rest of the body of believers could be encouraged? If I ask you, what has God done in your life? How has God shown up in your life yesterday? And you have an answer, why aren't you up here today? Why aren't you up here next week sharing God's goodness to the rest? Though this next generation may, be, may not be a generation of Christians, maybe, just maybe, we can show them why they should be a generation of Christ followers. God is not dead, nor is he lost. But he's slowly becoming unknown. He's slowly becoming irrelevant. He's becoming irrelevant in the lives of your children, irrelevant in the lives of your friends. This king who we say gives everlasting life takes no importance in your own life or in the lives of your friends and your own kids and your cousins and your nieces and your nephews. If you have a gift and a treasure that can save a person's life and you do not give it to them, you too are a murderer. You too are a killer. And if I, who am a Christian, no longer desires to be labeled as such, how can I expect others to join the club? I do not prescribe to this new impression of Christianity that hates my brother or sister. I do not desire to be part of a religion that condemns the very people God loves and God has called us to love. I do not desire to be part of a fate that is dead because my King, my God, and my Christ are very much alive. I do not want to resemble Christianity. I want to resemble Jesus Christ. John chapter 13, after Jesus gave the great command, Jesus tells, says to us, by this all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. A prerequisite to following Christ not a prerequisite to be a Christian. 
So rather than figuring out how to be a Christian, figure out why you are a follower of Christ. After that, once you know why you follow Christ, God will then start to reveal the how, the where, the when, the who. But you need to first understand the why. And you need to believe the why. If I ask you why are you following Jesus Christ, just like I ask myself, my Christian response is, well, because he is God, he is my king. But is he really? Why do you follow Jesus Christ? Don't be satisfied with generalized answers. Why do you follow Jesus Christ? And if you say it's because he is my king, I'm going to say, great. How is it shown in your life that he is your king? Why? That is where your mission starts. And that is where you will need, that is what you will need to remember when you pick up your cross and follow him. When you run the race, that perseverance is your why. If you don't know why, it's hard to persevere. We're going to enter a time of response. And as we enter a time of responding to this message where you are asking, God, why do I follow you? You ask yourself, why am I following him? I want you to remember Galatians chapter 3. I want you to remember that you are all sons and daughters of God. Through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you were baptized into Christ. Have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free man. There is neither male nor female. There is neither Democrat nor Republican. There is neither gay nor straight. There is neither dead nor alive. There is nothing. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. Amen.